Hello all, welcome back to the Awkward Adventures of College Graduate, and we are doing the Alpha, How You Started, which is one of my favorite segments, as you know, and we're back with a special guest, not in the building because it's a podcast studio virtually, <laughs> um, yes. but um, we are with him here, and you know, I, a couple weeks ago, I had the amazing opportunity to go to my first anime con, I went to Anime NYC, and there I was able to like, not only like see some of my favorite pieces and things like that, but also meet some really dope artists and people are like really making a lot of changes and shaking things up within the industry, especially black folks, because, you know, here at AAGC, we're about black people and people of color. So this guest, I'm going to give him a chance to introduce himself, is making waves all over the internet with this, you know, um, characters that look like me and you. And I'm super excited to talk about him and his talk to him about his journey. And so without further ado, uh, our guest, would you like to introduce yourself? <laughs> Uh, yeah, man. Uh, so my name is Quentin Dorsey. I'm the writing creator at Night of Abyss. Uh, I appreciate you for even having me on the podcast. I love just sitting down with other creators or people who are just interested in like the whole black manga, black anime movement. So definitely appreciate you for even taking interest, bro. Thank you. Of course, of course. Thank you so much for taking your time because I always say this that, you know, out of all the places you could be, you're here with me on the afternoon or evening having this conversation and I don't take that for granted. So I'm appreciative of this. So without further ado, tell us a little bit about, about who you are, who is Quentin Dorsey and how did you get into making graphic novels and main manga series and that whole thing? Like, where do we start? Uh, yeah. So, uh, my name is Quentin Dorsey. Um, I grew up in Anne Arundel County, uh, specifically Seven Oaks. Um, I went to school, at AACC for my associates, I went to University of Baltimore for my undergraduate, and I went to University of Baltimore as well for my graduate degree. Um, right now, I'm currently a cybersecurity professional uh, professional for my uh, nine to five, Ooh. and I'm chasing a dream, man. I'm, uh, I'm uh, trying to pioneer uh, a sector that I'm calling, uh, you know, high level serious black anime. Like that's that's kind of uh, the movement. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to head or spearhead um, as far as like how I got into like anime um, or just writing. Um, it's really just been like a childhood thing for me. Like if you ask my parents, like they'll tell you since I was a kid, I used to like walk around the house and say I want to be a cartoonist. And, you know, I tried to draw and I couldn't draw. <laughs> so it was <laughs> like, you know, but my imagination was always there. So I remember just being a kid getting all the action figures and I would just be playing with action figures and I would just be coming up with these stories like for the action figures. And it was so crazy because I was thinking about it the other day and I was like, man, I really had real like timelines, like <laughs> scripts in my head that I would play out for hours. I would just sit there for hours and I would just be, and I'll be voice acting each character. So it was, you know, it's really God given. Um, mm -hmm. So definitely all glory to God. So, you know, it's not, it's not something that I just, you know, it's not, it's not really an acquired skill, you know what I'm telling you. It's just like a God-given thing. So, mm. I mean, yeah, so just from just from doing that. Um, but I'll say um, I started writing KOA fresh out of high school. So I was like 19 or 20 when I started writing it. Um, and I just stuck with it. I just kept writing a story all the way through graduate school, all the way through you know undergrad, graduate school. And even like five years into my um, profession, I finished it in 2019. Mm -hmm. um now mind you i still do rewrites i'm still writing other stuff so it's like kind of ongoing but like the initial story or like the initial draft like i finished the story um in 2019 and um and from there i just linked up with a bunch of different artists 
and uh, things just kind of took off. I did my first, um, I did my first Kickstarter in 2021 of May, and it took off. It did like 10k in four days, and it ended up at like 18k. So I'm like, oh snap, I got something. But prior to that, I was just marketing and promoting it. So mm-hmm. I was just online. Like for the people who followed me before I started introducing my characters, um, I used to just do like like anime memes. I would just be on there just like doing anime memes, trying to get like some, trying to figure the internet out. I didn't understand the internet, you know? So I'm like trying to figure this thing out. So I was like, all right, so like, so it was like, I spent like a year from 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. I spent just a year just doing memes, trying to figure stuff out. And I would drop characters every now and then, but it was never like, if somebody came to my page, they couldn't tell if I was, you know, an indie creator mm-hmm. or if I was a, yeah, if I was just a meme guy. So, <laughs> so um, at the end of 2019, I'm like, all right, the story's done. And I felt comfortable with, you know, releasing the characters and getting things going. So I'm like, all right. Taking this thing super serious, I'm about to I'm about to hop out there because my dad would always joke with me. He would be like, "Hey, Quentin, you're always you know, you've been writing this never ending story for like ten years. The story's done. What you gonna do?" So I'm like, "Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. I gotta do something." So yeah, so 2019, um, I'm like, "Yeah, let's go." So I read a book actually um, called How the Algorithm Works. It was like these two black dudes who used to work at uh, at, at Instagram. And they wrote this book on how you could like master the algorithm. This was back, algorithm way different now, but back in the day, it was like you could kind of figure it out. So I read the book and I just started like uh, uh, implementing all the strategies that they were kind of giving us in the book. And yo, it kind of worked. So I was able to, um, I was able to get a following of like, I want to say I had a following of like 20 to 30,000 before I even dropped. Uh, the first Kickstarter, right? So, um, and that was like just a, I spent the whole 2020 just marketing, 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 marketing. Wasn't making no money, it's marketing. So, um, and yeah, so dropped the first one. Which makes a lot of uh, sense considering the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. That's another thing, man. A lot of people who capitalized off the pandemic, and I want to say capitalized, a lot of people died. So, you know, rest in peace to them, you know. Mm-hmm. It was, but you know, it was an opportunity because everybody was trapped in the house. So it was like, dude, you gotta push whatever you're pushing, right? So yeah. And then um, I want to say, fast forward 2022, I dropped volume two. Um, and then fast forward to 2023, volume three about to drop this month. Anime concept trailer dropped uh, last month, and uh, yeah, we rocking and rolling. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, well, that ends the interview because you pretty much said everything that I'm playing. (laughs) No, but I thank you for that. Like, you really encompass a lot of, like, what I was going to ask you. And, like, you know, I I don't know where I want to begin. So this kind of shifts the interview a little bit. Um, So there's a lot to kind of, like, unpack there um, in a sense. So you said that. So you kind of talked about, like, you you talked about, I want to jump back to this, your dad, and, like, we talk about support systems here, because as a creator, it's always important to have that. So you said that, you know, your dad kind of said, hey, you got this never-ending story here. So, like, growing up while you've been writing the story and kind of creating this concept, was that always supported by your family, or was it something eventually they said, like, hey, you know, now we kind of support it, or, like, this is what he's always been doing, so we kind of want to push for it now, because, 
to kind of be in cybersecurity, which is very vastly different than like, you know, <laughs> you, um, you know, writing while yeah. like creating the story is like huge. So how did you like kind of like filter out that space and like navigate that space with like, you know, family expectations and just like also doing what you had to do for yourself? Um, I, I would say, you know, my parents, their way of support, which you probably have some sort of idea, black parents, mm-hmm. you know, their way of support isn't 100% like, come on, you can do it. It's more mm-hmm. so like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to do it or not? Like, kind of like, <laughs> it's like, it's a weird way of support. But at the same time, it was, it was motivating because it was like, it's like, all right, working on a story. He'd come down, make a joke. Oh, you still writing that? All right, yeah, something like that. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to show you that, like that type of stuff. So I was like, it was still was a way of supporting, um, you know, just a weird way. You know, personally, God willing, if I have kids, I the way I'm going to support would be way different. I'm not going to like, you know, but, you know. Right. Um, but no, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely still, um, there was definitely a support system, definitely. Because, I mean, I, I stayed at, I stayed at the house while, I was in college. I never went. I never um, did a commuter school. I, I was, okay. you know, in the basement. Basement warrior status heavy. So I mean, um, and even um, after graduate school, me and my brother were renting out my parents' old house, and um, my brother wanted to move to Atlanta to uh, get married, and my my older sister and her family they wanted to swap. Basically, they wanted to, to be in the house. They had a big family, whatever, right? So my parents are like, I'm like, well, my brother's leaving. Well, I'm about to just have the homies in here. It's about to be a frat house, right? <laughs> so they like, they like, oh, they like, whoa, whoa, we ain't doing that. So, so I had the opportunity. It was like, well, I can go get my own spot, or I can move in the basement with them, and I can just put all my resources, put everything mm-hmm. into you know KOA, and um, and I, I chose that. I chose to do that, and that was the smartest decision I ever made. Like that was the, it had been. If I would have made a decision to to move out or whatever, KOA would have still got done, but it would have took a very long time, and the opportunity could have could have slipped because the algorithm the algorithm changed so much from 2019, 2020 to now. It's to the point where you have to be uploading five videos a week on Instagram to actually grow, and you know that's ridiculous, especially when if you're an indie creator. A lot of your stuff is just pictures. So I blew up off the pictures. Like people, so, you know, that if, if I would have took the other opportunity and I would have taken the slow route, I would have missed the opportunity. Um, but nah, definitely support systems there. Uh, mom and dad definitely held it down. Um, so shout out to them for sure. Definitely, definitely. Thank you for that. Because I think that's so important to talk about is that, you know, because um, like you said, as, you know, black people, like, you know, the way our parents support are a little bit different than not. So it's kind of like, a hey, what are we doing here? It's like, you know, hey, you got the job because you went to school. Like, what are we, what are we doing now? You got your benefits, all that stuff. Like, all right. Okay. So, you know, you can do that on the side, but like the full time, they're like, I, I guess. But as long as you're taking care of yourself. It doesn't like kind of matter, but you brought up a good point and it kind of leads into my next question. So you said that you're kind of at a crossroads. And so, like you said, I can move out, you know, it'll get done, but also I can like, you know, kind of like be smart about this and also leverage my resources. Right. So I kind of want to jump, jump into misconceptions. So I like, I looked through like your Kickstarter 
I looked at your page, you know, the amount of followers you have. And so like support even saw like some people have reposted this, like it's, it's, it's known that this is supported. Right. Um, and this yeah. whole movement, I want to jump into that later. Cause you saw the questions and we don't get yeah. real black here. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so a part of one of the questions I have is, so with all this scene, there probably are some misconceptions that people have about like what it is that you do. Right. Whether it's like the amount of sacrifices you've had to make, whether or not it's like some of those, like you said that you maintain a nine to five. So I'm sure yeah. like the amount of sleep that you're getting after your nine to five, because this is your five to nine, or some yeah. people like to say, this is your actual nine to five and your nine to five is funding this. So can you talk yeah. about like what some of those misconceptions are about the work that you do and what you want people to know that they may not know. So if they were to look at you and they were to like view it, listen to this interview and only listen to this part, what is it that they need to know about this process and just overall about who you are and what this has been like for you? Yeah. Uh, so the number one misconception is that, you know, don't get into this indie manga comic graphic novel game thinking you're about to get rich or thinking you're about to be like rolling the dough. That's not how things go. Like, that's cat. No. Keep your nine to five. Do not quit your job. Please don't quit your job because, you know, your job sustains you. It's your way, it's your way of life. It also can uh, allows you to uh to fund what you're trying to do so for me um you know my this artwork is expensive this is not this is not cheap you know anime trailer is expensive it's not cheap yeah. you know but my 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 mindset like in college was like all right i started out undergrad undergrad was for criminal justice and mm -hmm. when i got into it i started reading a lot of like you know i'm, I'm a revolutionary at heart so i read a lot of sociology that type of stuff like um, autobiography and Malcolm X, yeah. uh, um, Revolutionary Suicide, Hugh P. Newton, uh, uh, Seize the Time, The Story of the Black Panther Party by Bobby Sill. You know, you name it, nor likely I read it. So, you know, um, I just thought that the criminal justice system was just mad corrupt. And then I'm also getting like, kind of like radicalized, you know, reading all this stuff. So I'm like, all right. So I'm like, man, I can't do this, man. So my homeboy, John, he's graduating. Um, he just graduated undergrad. He's going into grad school and he's about to finish up his uh, his uh, master's. And he's in cybersecurity. He's in information technology. So remember, I go over his house one day and I'm like, what you doing, bro? It's like middle of the day. And he's like, yeah, I'm teleworking. I'm like, teleworking? What is telework? And he's like, yeah, you get to work from home. <laughs> and I'm like, it's IT. So I'm like, what? I'm like, how much you making? I'm like, you making that much? I was like, all right. After that, I was like, got it. Because before then, I was like, man, how am I going to get the money to fund this? Can't right. do with criminal justice. That's trash. So I was either going to go to the military, um, become an officer, and like kind of double up that way, um, or IT. But IT was like, damn, this is lit. I don't gotta get pepper sprayed or sorry, yes, sir. Yeah, <laughs> hey man, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go grad school, bro. Then the boss was like, yo, this man, girls in grad school, and I don't be that guy. What? No, okay, nah, I'm in grad school, bro. What are you talking about? So I did that, and um. And yeah, yeah, that, that's really the way I was able to um, to really fund, you know, this whole thing was like making sure that I was I got a skill that paid enough. And I think a lot I see a lot of creators who go the starving route, the starving artist route. That's not the good good way to go because one, the only way you're going to stand out is by having you know uh, a higher quality uh, presentation of your project. That's the only way because. After Black Panther, everybody and their mama started making making comics and books, and it's like uh, it's always overly saturated right now because everyone's doing it, but everybody isn't 
isn't isn't isn't going all out with it. And that's and that's how things go in, in any industry. So mm-hmm. I mean, don't quit your job. Um also um you know just the ups and downs of you know support. You if you look at my Kickstarters, the first one eighteen thousand, the second one like ten or eleven, you know, the last one like seven, it's like, you know, th- things fluctuate so much. And you have to understand that your goal is to get to the next level, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're putting out high quality content and you're you're building that complete package, somebody in the higher ups in Hollywood somewhere is gonna notice it. And that's your end goal. Your end goal should not be to be making a bunch of money off your books or getting rich off of your comics. That's that's not you should be making just enough to where you can continue to invest in your thing, you know, keep it afloat. But, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't get in this thinking that you about to be, you know, balling. But then again, you have some folks who they drop a project, if the Kickstarter does good, and they just tore off that for like two years. You don't see another book from them for like two, three years. And that's okay for them. But if you're trying to continue a series and keep people's interest, you know what I'm saying? You can't do that whenever you're you're dropping books every three years. I mean, so I would say a misconception is that you're not about to get rich doing this. No matter who's online capping about them being rich doing this, that's that's not. Don't be a starving artist. Don't quit your job. No, thank you for sharing that. I honestly think that, like, honestly, whether or not you're doing this or you're doing anything, and I really want y'all to listen to those <laughs> to those uh, pearls of wisdom, is that I think that there's this perception <clears throat> of that if you're a starving artist or, like, I call it, I I like to call it um, Rise and Grind uh, Twitter yeah. <laughs> or LLC Twitter. <laughs> LLC Twitter. <laughs> if, you, um, Twitter. If, if you aren't sleeping two hours a night, if you, <laughs> if you aren't you know, working all this stuff and da, 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 and if you aren't taking your health insurance money and buying an LLC and then flipping it and buying this house and putting that back into your, like at the end of the day, I totally hear you. Like you have to. While there are sacrifices that are going to be made, I think it's super important that you bring that up because I think a lot of people have that perception of like, I have to quit. I have to put everything into that. But like, let's be realistic to what the world is. Like you said, the market is oversaturated. And what 2020 has shown us is that everybody's a creative, right? Like everybody's super creative. Everybody doesn't have the same skill level, but there's a lot. You have to do what you have to do to stand out. You also have to survive. We are in a recession (laughs) at the end of the day. That's tough, you know? And listen, the job market, we're not going to talk about that. So, like, I'm glad that you were able to say that as somebody who is finding that success. So I guess a question I have for you kind of like going into that is how do you balance it? Right. Because, like, you know, you you maintain a nine to five and you are doing this. So, like, is it just like really tight scheduling? Is it saying, all right, so the sacrifice here is maybe I'm not going out this weekend. I got to get this business done. Or is it like, you know, saying like, no, I'm going to portion these things out where Every single area of my life, I'm not trying to like you know, kind of like lose a part of it. It's important that I have that balance. Uh, I mean, honestly, nah, bro. Like, this is my passion, so mm-hmm. you know, sacrifice. It never really bothered me <laughs> at all. It was like this is something I've always wanted to do. Uh, so, I mean, I remember, man, I was in a long term relationship out of like high school all the way through undergrad and kind of like on and off to graduate school, and I remember. I was in the car with my ex and like she wanted to like get married and have kids and do all this. 
And I just was over there sitting there thinking, I just like, nah, man, you know, because I got this story. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to do that. And like, that was dead ass the end of our relationship, like right then and there. So, I mean, the sacrifices you have to make, man, is, you know, that's that's the trade off. I mean, I could be married with kids right now, but I wanted to chase the dream. So I will say, you know, if you're really committed to something and this is really what you want to do and your heart and soul is really in it and God really has that on your heart then I mean, you're gonna, you're not gonna be happy unless you're actually truly pursuing that. So to me, it wasn't really a sacrifice. It was, this is what I always wanted to do. Um, and I'm gonna do it. As far as um, it's like maintaining, like working that, nah, man, I didn't, I didn't like, I would have a schedule. Like when I was writing a story, my schedule would be, it was like, yeah, I would, you know, I would do nine to five, I go to the gym. And then at nighttime, I would just write. Like I would just write the story at nighttime and I would do that. Um, or like I would plot out whole weekends where I would just write the whole weekend. Shit, I used to take vacations just to write. Like from work, it would be like at the end of the year, I'd be like, all right, cool. Because you said we have used to lose. Don't forget, I said used to lose. So I would rack up hours, and I would have like I would have like a week or two off that you have to use. So I would I would take no week, no vacations throughout the whole year. At the end of the year, I'll have like two or three weeks. And I knew that I could get so much writing and so much of the story done in those three weeks just by just so yeah I would I would do stuff like that um, and to me it was never a sacrifice like it was like this is what I want to do like I feel like if that's what you really want to do you're not gonna look at it as a sacrifice yeah. you're gonna look at it as you putting in the work to chase your dream definitely definitely. Thank you so much. And I'm glad that you said that. Like, I think, you know, somebody out there needed to hear that. So keep doing what you're doing, you know, keep pushing yeah. and everything like that. Definitely. Yeah. So um, we're kind of like switching gears a little bit. So you talked about like you you kind of like really went into like the concept and like the, um, the conception of KOA. But can yeah. you talk about like, you know, you said it started in high school and you like it went mm-hmm. all the way through and it took you about eight years to complete it. Can you talk about like yeah. what those initial thoughts were? So like, what was it that you were like, okay, I have this idea and like, you just knew I had, you had to finish this and write this all the way through. Did it start yeah. off as just something fun or was it like, no, like I have this idea it has been given to me by God and I need to see it through. Mm-hmm. Like, what did that look like just for those folks who just may not know and want to know, like, you know, they want to look inside your mind a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So I would say, it was a social mission for me, right? I don't so I'm I'm into like politics and all that, like the revolutionaries and that type of stuff. So, you know, when I would see, when I would watch um cartoons or whatever, take Justice League, for instance, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, right? I remember watching that and I remember seeing Jon Stewart and being blown away. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yo, I've never seen a black character like this he was smart intelligent astute mm-hmm. a general if you go back and watch those episodes he was bossing that thing here with the right haircut yeah let me put that out there with the right haircut too not yeah. the crazy oh, yeah. stuff that right. we be yes. seeing no that's facts that's facts <laughs> he had to fade he had to fade it yo we got to give Dwayne McDuffie's flowers bro Dwayne McDuffie mm-hmm is the GOAT, bro. Like, if you look at those episodes where Black people were centered, Black people were not just, like, some token character, but they actually were, like, kind of running things and being really centered in the story, Dwayne McDuffie was the one writing it. Like, I went and I looked, and I'm like, this was him. Like, he was the reason why Jon Stewart was Jon Stewart. He was the reason why Static Shock was in the those uh, epilogue episodes and those in episodes, Batman Beyond crossovers. Like, that was, that was him. So, for me, when I saw that, I was like, 
damn, bro, like this is what we need. And then having that, you know, having him pass and then having just a almost a 15-year desert of nothing. Like we didn't get anything outside yeah. of I think Young Justice popped up and you had Aqualad. But then but then after that, Aqualad was the leader. Then they made him like the non-leader. Like he wasn't the leader again. So I was like, damn, bro. So it was like, so to me, I just noticed the, the tokenism. The tokenism and the dismissiveness of black characters. And then watching um, the, watching anime and seeing the wild stuff they do with black characters in anime. It's like, so I just knew, like, it was like a mission in my head, like, nah, bro, I'm going to create a story that represents us the right way. It's going to be fire. And, like, that was really the driving, motivating force behind me writing the story. It was like, yo, I want us to be appropriately represented in this in this form. Um, and, yeah, I would just uh, I would just be writing characters. I was I started out just writing characters. Um, I remember I used to work at a, um, a community center. Shout out to Miss Agnes. I used to work in a rest of peace, Miss Holly. I used to I used to work in the community center while I was in college. That was one of my jobs. I used to work mad jobs or whatever. But um, um, I would sit there and I would just I would just be writing writing characters or whatever, mm-hmm. just writing stories, writing characters. And um, I just kind of come came up with the characters first. Then after I came up with the characters, I started like uh, trying to put together what the story was going to be about. Mm-hmm. I rewrote it so many times, bro. Like I rewrote season one like three times, season two like twice. I'm pretty sure I'll rewrite season three or whatever, etc. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's like. It's kind of hard explaining how the story came together, bro, because it, I just was writing stuff and rewriting it and, you know, it just was like kind of a continuation thing, really. No, that's really dope, though. Like, the like to be able to be younger and to have that amount of, like, kind of, like, vision, like, to kind of be a visionary and have that foresight of, like, I don't see anybody else who looks like me and be like, nah, I need to make a difference. I honestly give you kudos because, like, I think there's oftentimes a perception and I always say that the youth, and I'm saying it like I'm not 26, yeah, um, yeah. but those who come after always are more revolutionary, always, always kind of like have a different perception and they're always going to lead from the, like lead um, going forward. So like yeah. it all just kind of like shows that constantly like, you know, they're coming, people are watching, people are understanding these aspects of it. And it's pretty dope that you're like, no, I'm about to make that difference now. And I really am just happy to like kind of hear that. And like, I not, not that you said that I have noticed that like, you know, from young, from like, you know, Justice League Unlimited to like going forward, it's like there wasn't a lot of like characters who look like it was and If we're going into anime, their characters, if we're talking about it, they look like us, but they're, let's keep it about their they're stereotypes, right? Like, yeah, in, in the ones that we kind of enjoy. Like, yeah, it's still kind of like, well, what is look this? Look at Killer B. Killer B, he's a he's a rapper who can't stay. He's a free boy. He's a bumbling idiot. You know, he's just like yes. a like a like a like a dummy. And he's just. Right. I mean, I enjoy Killer B. I thought he was funny, but he's still a stereotype. No yeah. matter what you do, you get yeah. So I mean, but yo, you have some of these fans like you like I remember Soft Sasuke. I'm still always gonna love that. That was my favorite part. <laughs> no, no, he, he, he did he did watch Sasuke. Yeah, but you know, but to to piggyback off your point though. Man, I remember I used to get in debates with folks in like comments because I would see there's like a big anime page that does like top top anime characters and they did a top black anime characters and my lord, this list was so lame. It was like the lamest list I've ever seen. And like the number one dude that was like the top anime black anime character was Piccolo. I get the joke, it was funny, but it was like uh, come on now. <laughs> yeah, but but it just it just, you know, kind of made, 
you know, um, a good, uh, another reason why, you know, it's important for us to like kind of do our thing in this space. I mean, because, you know, black people contribute to anime, you know, greatly. And even anime you want to see is mad black people there. Like, come on, bro. Even popularizing it. Meg Thee Stallion, all these different, you right. know, rappers, you know, politics. Obama shouts out anime. Like, come on, man. Like, so. The athletes, yeah. you always see them like, athletes, yeah. stuff like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the same way, the same way, you know, other cultures um, join in cultural artistic exchanges that are rooted in, in black culture, whether it be R&B, you know, hip hop, rap, soul music. If you go over in Korea and Japan, K-pop is R&B, soul, rock and roll, rock and roll, R&B, hip hop are all black created art forms. So it's like everybody, if everybody else is, you know, uh, enjoying cultural artistic exchanges and profiting off of it then why are we just sitting back you know exactly. you know so no i think yeah we definitely need to plan our, our pillar there and you know not just be the consumer and actually be someone who's actually made it because we're going to do it the right way anyway so you, you brought up a good point i was just about to bring up is that oftentimes we are known as being a huge consumer and our sure. money is constantly leaving our our dollars are leaving our community but how much of those dollars are coming back into the community and so like you yeah. know um, I'm jumping around, but like I kind of want to jump into this next question because I think yeah. it's very appropriate for this is that um, in that space of like being a consumer in the space of like, so I essentially, they asked this question, I read your Kickstarter and I'm reading through this and I said, this feels like a manifesto. Like you're like, no, like, you know, there needs to be like a real change here. And like, you know, yeah. talking about like, you know, you can't depend on Hollywood. You have to kind of like do, you know, lead from the front, like in this movement, everything like that and talking about yeah, some real shit there <laughs> like about like how as black people we kind of like you know are kind of like within that space so i guess my question is you know and so as a black creator specifically in this space i know it can be difficult you know yeah, even yeah. just being at anime <laughs> new nyc how many black creators and so like you don't understand i was running around i said i'm on a mission i said you 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 i was like running up like business card business card business card business card yeah. because like what we're not going to do is we're not going to play with y'all and yeah. so i can imagine it's not a lot of like folks who look like you specifically have the same background as you who are in this space so as someone who is trying to trailblaze in this way how do you show up every single day with the difficulties of that and how does this also show up in your writing and creating you know as well um, um like, yeah this is oh, a no. lot i'm sure there that can kind of go into that i have a follow-up question but i want to like start off with those um so i mean as far as like i guess the trials and tribulations of being like a black manga creator um uh, and all the the pushback you get from it <laughs> i mean uh i mean bro I'm, I'm heavy in my faith so you know i always know that this is a god-given mission so, you know, no weapon against me shall prosper. So, but it didn't say no weapon against you, you know, won't form, said it won't prosper. So, you know, I think whenever, whenever you're trying to disrupt the industry and whenever you're, um, you're resisting and whenever you're trying to, you know, pioneer anything, you're always going to encounter resistance in many forms. I think, you know, going to conventions, my initial first run was interesting because I, I learned that, you know, and this, you know, if I'm lying or flying, you can ask any 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 black minority creator, majority of your sales are going to come from black people, you know. And I've vended next to folks 
you know, white folks, other other folks who got straight up trash. And, you know, I've seen just, you know, just droves of people like, but it's kind of like they're just making it a point to be like, yeah, because you know what I mean? Like, like that type of stuff. So I'm just like, yeah. Well, so, you know, I, I think I learned a lot about, um, about some of the issues that, you know, society is still, is still dealing with. Uh, but I never let that discourage me because I know my demographic is. I'm creating black anime for black people. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, anybody can enjoy it, though. It's a great story. And I do have white fans. I do have white fans. Um, and I do have white fans who who support me either online through Kickstarter or just buying a book or through at conventions or whatever. Um, so it's there. But uh, overwhelmingly, no. But I don't I, I don't want to let that discourage you. I mean, you have to know your demographic and know where you're going. What, what that is, you just got to pick the right cities, right? Like, I went to Cleveland one time. I'm never going back to Cleveland. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got you to pick your right cities. You got to know your demographics. And uh, and you just got to know uh, that there's going to be challenges. I think another another challenge, like one, I got in a debate with a guy the other day because he was like, yeah, you're not doing, you're not doing anime. It's just... It's just black char- black cartoon characters. And I had to tell him, I'm like, dude, you do know that a lot of, you know, first of all, anime is an art form. That's one. Two, a lot of anime studios outsource to other places. They're not, a lot of anime studios are outsourcing to get their stuff done. So mm-hmm. uh, you, in Korea, they call their manga, their version of manga, Mawa, right? Mm-hmm. In China, in China, they're doing anime. They're just not calling it anime, but people still recognize mm-hmm. it as anime. So... If, right. if if we're over here in America and we're doing stuff that's still in the aesthetic and art form of anime, mm-hmm. I'm calling it black anime. It's the same thing everyone else is doing. I'm not saying anime, black anime. Mm-hmm. I so, find it interesting, yeah. um, and this is not to be a soapbox, and this could go yeah. into a whole drove of conversation. It's very interesting in telling when it's a black art form like hip-hop, when it's other culture, someone else is doing it, it's still hip-hop, but when someone who is black is doing another art form it's suddenly not that but that's it's, a conversation no, for another day <laughs> no, let, we got let's talk about that because let's talk about it. that's that is what the power structure likes to do they try to put black people in a box mm-hmm. while everyone else can do whatever the heck they want to do bro and you hit it right there we just talked about it k-pop mm-hmm. Come on, man. K-pop is rock and roll, rap, <laughs> it all, soul, mixed in one. And it's fire. I listen to K-pop. I like it. So, and nobody, no one's gatekeeping them saying you right. can't do that. The other day I saw, it was like Japanese trap music. And that's what they called it. Japanese trap music. And they was really dead to lean. Mm. They be getting like, into it. They be getting into yeah, it. Yeah, I don't I know like, the word. Oh, I, like, I was like, oh, shit. I need to be careful when I go to Japan. They, they got some, they got some wild people over there. I can't be hanging out with them. They had, they, you got the imitations of, you know, we got the whole ratchet wave going on, but they had the, the, the ratchet girl wave is going over there in Japan. So it's like, come on, man. Everybody exchanges culturally in art form. Stop making rules for black people that should not make it for everyone else. So. I agree. I agree. And I just had to bring that up because like, you know, part of this, like this conversation, like reading your stuff and like reading it, I just agreed completely because it is an issue that I think all creators, black creators find across all forms of media. And so like knowing this media and like, you know, for instance, like I'm 26. So like it's only been if we keep it in a buck, maybe it's been 10 years or so, like where it's like 
it's it's cool to finally be like, yeah, I, was, I, I, I watch anime, like I read manga and everything like that. So like in this space, with it being cool, it's always been cool, but like black people coming out, like once black people started getting into the space, it's like, hold on now, what are we doing now? Just, <laughs> hold on, like you, you can't do too much. Like y'all yeah. not, don't bring all that over here. And it's like, bro, we've mm. been doing that. We've been debating about like why yeah. people would beat down X, Y, and Z. We've yeah. been talking about like why, <laughs> you know, Yusuke <laughs> is higher and everything like that. Yeah. We've been talking about all these things. And so now we're, finally taking up the space it's just interesting how that always occurs within different art forms and stuff like that so like i had to ask you that question it's it's the fear because they know whenever we get involved in something it just takes it to the next level so you know and it's not it's not even pushback from i've never heard pushback from any asian folks ever Mm -hmm. it's always from white folks Mm -hmm. so i mean that just says more about anything bro like Okay. (laughs) It's unfortunate. It's definitely unfortunate. Yeah. Um, So there's a follow-up question I have because, like, you know, this conversation just kind of proves it. Like, so, like, I always try to do my research on, like, the people I interview. And so, like, Mm -hmm. reading, like, kind of, like, you know, your, you know, the information on the Kickstarter, like, checking your page out and stuff like that, very revolutionary. You said you're very political. So I'm I'm curious, like, in writing this, how Mm -hmm. much of that was kind of infused, like, so... Like, you know, from the time period I'm guesstimating, you know, and of course, like even throughout the pandemic, like we've we've seen, unfortunately, I'm going to call them for what they are, the killings of Trayvon Martin. We've seen the killings yeah. of, you know, Lynch, like, lynchings, like, lynchings. Modern, lynchings, day lynchings. Exactly, yeah. modern day lynchings. So mm. I'm curious, like in writing this and like kind of like being this revolutionary space, yeah. how much that's really influenced the writing and like some of the storytelling of that. Or has this been like a thing of like, you know what, I'm not necessarily going to take those elements, but I want to make this joy and create the yeah. story. Like, how has that kind of like been infused in that, if any of that? Because, yeah. of course, when we create our art, parts of us are infused in that and we put that into that, you know, yeah. to like kind of like have understanding. Like, what has that been like for you? Um, So I would say it's been interesting because, you know, I want to tell a great story. I don't want to preach. But I also want to make sure that there's a lot of intellectualism, you know, um, in in the writing. And for me, you know, KOA, KOA is intellectual, it's, it's emotionally intelligent, it's spiritual. You know, it's all these things that our community really covets and really cares about. Um, so you'll find a lot of like, um, I want to say revolutionary philosophy in there. Uh, but it comes from the right characters. So it isn't like pandering. It isn't like fake. Hiroshi X is inspired by Malcolm X. Hmm. Uh, the uh, the organization X are inspired by the Black Panther Party for self-defense. So, you know, and even the way they kind of wear their hoodies, the 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 one faction inside that wears their hoodies, that's for Trayvon Martin. Um, uh, so you always see organization X member with his hoodie up. Or whatever that type of stuff. So that's a, that's a little nugget. Don't tell nobody that. I guess. <laughs> no, <Nah, laughs> nah, but uh, but no, nah, I think um, I think uh, I think right. Just just dealing with life and dealing with like you know the kind of tri- uh, trials and tribulations of America. I don't think any black writer can escape you know putting the the collective rage and collective pain of black people in their stories in some way, shape, or form. I think the balance is knowing where it goes when to tone it down, you know, when to turn it up, that type of stuff. And then also making sure that you're just always staying true 
to telling your story because it's a fancy story. You know, the night of business isn't a real thing. So I mean, it's a fancy story. Like I'm always going to be committed to telling a fantasy story, but there's always going to be things in there that people will be able to go to and be like, mm. oh yeah, I see what you did right there. All right, yeah, that's fine. Some so, realism, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't don't it the right way though. The right way. Adding a little, adding enough balance of that hope, but also the reality in it at the same time is definitely. Yeah, right. yeah. I would say, you know, I think Kogios is the best example mm-hmm. of doing that. You know, uh, it's interesting because you have a lot of these like alt right, like nerd guys that are like on like YouTube and they're just everything's woke. It's like that's their new code word for, you know, I just don't want no minority. But it's like, how come they never go in on anime? All the anime will be woke by their definition. Like Attack on Yeah, Attack on Titan is super political. Like, what are mm-hmm. we talking about? I mean Kogi Kogios. Have you seen Kogios? I haven't seen it. I'm I have, oh, okay. I have my ever ending list like everybody else said. Okay, all right, all right. But Kogios, I almost spoiled it, but Kogios has a group in there called the Black Knights. The mm-hmm. Black Knights were oh, it's created. Fine. You can get into it because I'm sure okay. all the listeners are gonna, you know, all right. they're gonna know but yeah, they had they had they have a they have a group in there called the Black Knights. The Black Knights were a revolutionary group who was fighting for oppressed Japanese people who were renamed Elevens. That's the Black Panther Party Revolution, bro. You can't can't nobody convince me that 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 they weren't inspired by the Black Panther Party of Self Defense. But they called themselves the Black Knights. They're come on, their whole their whole philosophy is right on par. So it's like, right. you know. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I think also that's anime tradition. Anime, anime has always been something where you can tackle social issues, exactly, and you can talk about you know a lot of a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and you're not trapped in this you know box that you know Marvel and DC. You see, the reason why they're kind of failing when they're trying to do it because it's not authentic because y'all mm-hmm. never really that was never really the goal, the blueprint when y'all were creating this character. It was always. Black and white superhero, bad guy, good cop, bad cop. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing really intellectual, honestly. So, I mean, anime's always been a space where they try to tackle real issues. And that's why, you know, in a creative way. And that's why it's gone the way it goes. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense. And now that you say it, it's true. Because I think about, like, there's been, like, some of our popular or most favorite, like, animes have covered freaking genocide. Like, if we're keeping it a buck. Like, yeah, you know, Attack on Titan just ended. It was all about genocide, wild yeah. shit. Like, yeah, like, come on, man. But these guys don't have no smoke for that because, you know, it doesn't fit their, their grift that they're going with. You know, the mm-hmm. grift is there's some giant conspiracy and, you know, mm-hmm. so whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Like, even, I don't know, I don't think that Kotsky was 100% wrong. That's all. <laughs> I'm not going to... <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they were trying to stop the war. They were trying to stop the war, the the mm-hmm. continuous wars, and they saw that all the nations were corrupt, and they mm-hmm. all internalized their pain as, man, my life was messed up, and I'm trying to stop everyone else from being messed up. So let's go. To me, Naruto is like a giant anti-war like story. Like it's it really all about is. anti-war. I mean, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, but no, nah, you're right. You're right. Uh, Atatsuki was. I mean, I don't rock with Atachi, but I mean, but you know, so. Whoa. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know about Atachi, bro. Atachi, nah. I'm more. Uh, he's, he's killed all his peoples. That's crazy. All right, but. <laughs> That's an awful long conversation. But I get why. And I feel like, mm hmm. Because there's. We won't get into that. Another another day. (laughs) Yeah, another day. But definitely, like this has definitely been what probably my favorite part of this um, this interview so far. Um, You know, kind of moving on and switching gears. 
I want to like talk about influence, right? So like, you okay. know, we talked about like, you know, we talked about like how you got to writing the story. We talked about like, you know, your experience as a black creator. We talked about like all these different aspects, like, you know, the misconceptions. Now let's talk about influence, right? So like, as you've been writing this, you know, what have been some of your influences and like, specifically, I really want to get into like, who are the folks that you would like to uh, kind of you aspire to be like and who you want to collab with? So here at Awkward Adventures of a College Graduate AAGC, we're all about dream talk. So yeah. if you had like a, I'll give you three to five, right? Whatever you want to do. Who are those three to five that you're like, if I get the budget and I get the opportunity to work with them one day, absolutely working with them. And who are the people that you're like, listen, they came before me. I'm thankful for them and, and so forth, you know. I see. Three people that I want to work with. Hmm. Probably Americans or just in general? Like Oh, anyway. everybody. You know, they ain't gotta be American. Of course not. Okay, okay. <laughs> this okay. is your dream. This is like anybody, you know. Hmm. I would say if you can explain a little bit too, that would be helpful. Okay, so I would like to do I would like to write a series, a video game series with uh Hideo Kojima, creator of Metal Gear Solid. Uh Metal Gear Solid is a huge influence. Um Hiroshi X's outfit was pretty much partly uh, influenced by that. The organization X super influenced by uh, by uh, Metal Gear Solid. So definitely Hideo Kojima. That would be number one. Um, Aaron Magruder, because uh, I have a I have another series that's like that's kind of Boondockish, you mm-hmm. know, a little bit. So Aaron Magruder would be would be number two, and number three. Yeah. Top people. Um Todd McFarlane, yeah, from Spawn. Um yeah, I grew up on Spawn and Spawn was crazy. <laughs> so I mean, I would love to just write I would love to just write a new story with him because his mind seems kinda wild. So I mean, yeah. That's pretty dope. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um and so are there folks that you wanna like kind of give props to who are like influences that you're like, you know, I wouldn't be where I was at without them or like things of that sort? Uh, Oh yeah, man. Um, well, first of all, all glory to God. One, thank you, Jesus. Okay. Uh, two, I want to say, um, yeah, Hideo Kojima. Hideo Kojima was such an influence on me. Um, just playing the Metal Gear Solid games. Um, I still watch the story on YouTube. Just, just you know, just to watch it. Uh, just everything he was doing was just so different. I mean, even from like, I remember playing PlayStation with my friends and. I remember you're fighting Psycho Mantis and you had to unplug the controller and right, put it in your face. Yeah. And I remember, but it was just so mind blowing to me. Like, yo, what the, like his mind just was crazy. Who would have thought to do something like that? So, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, Hadi Kojima, uh, Metal Gear Solid series, huge influence. Um, Dragon Ball Z, of course, Arika Toriyama. I mean, I remember being a kid. I remember the first anime series I watched was uh, Ninja Scroll. And we were kids. Me and my brother were kids. My my uncle Benji had got it for us. So shout out to my uncle Benji, right? He had got it for us, and we watched. And we like, man, what is this? We wish you'd been watching it just scroll. Ninja Scroll was wild. So <laughs> so we're like, he's like, yeah, this is anime. We like, you know, we like five or six. Like what? <laughs> All right, you know, we used to Batman animated adventures, right? So um, years later, Dragon Ball Z drops, 
And after Dragon Ball Z dropped, it was like, yo, it's a wrap. I don't know, care mm-hmm. what nothing else is going on. Mm-hmm. Dragon Ball Z, this is anime. Then you Hakusho after that. Then Roni mm-hmm. Kenshin, G Gundam. It's like the anime wave, Toonami. You know, first of all, Toonami. We got to give Toonami their credit. Shout out to Toonami. Toonami, come on, bro. Toonami is the reason why everybody in America who's doing manga is doing doing manga, bro. Like, facts. Toonami was, come on, man. So we got to give... Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Tom, shout out to Tom, man. Like Tsunami. Um, let me see. Uh, so Kogios, that was a huge influence. Um, just just making sure that I was putting a lot of intellectualism in the writing because Kogios is a very smart anime. So uh, Full Metal Alchemist, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Um, I think that's where I get like like the emotional part of KOA, um, and then Avatar: Last Airbender. That's like. Like when I'm trying to like do like the the spiritual type stuff, I feel like yeah. I mean those those three elements I think make up KOA the most. And um, I think uh, oh then other stuff. I mean G Gundam, of course G Gundam. I don't know if you ever watched G Gundam, but G Gundam was like my favorite Gundam of all time. So um, yeah, G Gundam, Roni Kenshin, um, Digimon. Just <laughs> <I mean, laughs> go back. You like to everything, bro. It's like so many. Uh, but yeah. No, that's really dope. I always think it's important to like, you know, take that moment of just reflection because I think sometimes we jump so ahead to like where we are going that we don't always take the time to look back. And so mm-hmm. like, you know, for that next kid or that person who's like getting ready to start, they'll hear mm-hmm. that and be like, oh, I know my influences are. They'll hear you. And also yeah. one day, because I always say this where whoever's on the show, because um, we're going to look back in 10 years, you're going to be a part of the influences as well. Yeah. So <laughs> it's yeah. always I- fun to see that. <laughs> I hope so. God willing, man. God willing. I'm trying, man. I mean, I'm just probably, there's probably some kid right now writing something crazy. <laughs> I'm going to sign him, though, because that's my end goal, man. I want to have my own studio and bring up, I want to be a, a guy who actually really looks to bring up independent creators. Because I think, I don't know how much time you have, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's a real issue. That's what I was going to ask you know, next. Yeah, um, that. was going to ask, like, how do you envision, what is your impact when you think about legacy? Um, where do you like when you think about your work, right? And we're yeah. kind of like getting to the end. Yeah. Um, what do you envision your legacy to be like? What do you want your impact to be when you have left this earth? Because I know you are spiritual. You believe in God. Yeah. When you yeah. know He's closed your eyes and you've you know we we those those two dashes are filled. Yeah. What do you want that to be? Um, I wanted to be something. Well, just beyond KOA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to be somebody who inspire people, motivate people. I never led nobody astray, and whenever I was wrong, I was someone who admitted he was wrong, and just someone who was always just trying to grow and be the best version of myself. Uh, that's one. Uh, when it comes to KOA, when it's all said and done, God willing, KOA will be up there with the Kogiosses, the Fullmetal Alchemists, you know, the Cowboy Bebops, mm-hmm. you know, all the the high level great anime that you know was a staple for, for the culture. So I want to say, and then also I want KOA to be really, you know, a pioneering uh, force for high level, serious, you know, black anime. I want a bunch of other creators to be inspired to make smart stories, like stories that are like deep, that are like, there's like real substance to it. Um, I always call myself the J. Cole of this right now. Cause like mm. I would say I would say I would say for my peers, like you got you got Ordeal, Ordeal's fire doing webtoons, they doing anything. 
Then you got you got Black Sun Manga. They doing anything? Um, and like honestly, I feel like that's the big three right now. I mean, when it comes to like you, if anybody takes any of those IPs, when it comes to like stuff that's like undeniably hot, it is stuff that's like people who are like they're really going hard with it. It's like I feel like us three are the ones who are really like like it's no holds barred. They're doing a webtoons route. I'm doing a different route because I'm not on webtoons. But I mean, I feel like. Um, I feel like that's kind of the big three, and um, nah, I feel like I'm the J. Cole, man. Like somebody might be Drake, somebody <laughs> might be K. Dot, but I mean, I'm cold. I'm cold. Facts. You gonna get the most substance from me, so I mean, and and not knocking anybody else, you know, they got fire shit too. But I'm just saying, when it comes to like cold is cold, so I'm cold. I'm cold. No, you gotta put, you gotta talk, talk your stuff. You gotta talk <laughs> your stuff because nobody else is doing it like you. You yeah. know, and everybody can eat here. So like, I definitely yeah. appreciate hearing that. You know. And I appreciate, you know, it's good that you have that mindset, right? Like, you know, of like, you're kind of leading the charge in this and that you're like, this is what I want. This is what I want this to look like at the end of the day. Um, you know, because like you said, easily you could have been like, hey, I'm just going to chase money and that's going to be it and everything like that wouldn't be the most yeah. successful. But you're like, this goes beyond that, right? This goes, yeah. beyond, this is about purpose. This is about doing that, you know. And yeah. anytime anybody does things when it leads to purpose, you know, and living in purpose and like walking in purpose, um, it's always going to be successful because especially if it's what's, what's God given, you know, he has it, you know, he has it set. The path is already set apart, you know, and everything's already done. So, you know, I love hearing like, you know, different like artists and folks coming on and like saying that because I can see the passion in your eyes and see the passion overall, you know? Yeah. I did want to touch on one thing though. Um, when it comes to bringing people up, bro, Mm -hmm. You know, I can't say no names of folks who be reaching out, you know, Hollywood people. And it's like, I'm not going to say nobody's name. I'm going to say their name. But I'm just saying, you know, it's an issue when, you know, people who could push buttons and make things happen and they claim to be, you know, into anime or whatever. And it's like... Where are the IPs you signing? Like, where, where, what's going on? So, I will say, I think our our culture, like Black nerd culture, has been neglected, bro, for a long time, and it's neglected by our Black bourgeoisie, our mm-hmm. our people who are who are putting uh, button pushers and making stuff happen, bro. There's a thousand NBA players. An anime an anime season costs one million, two million dollars. Mm-hmm. Y'all telling me that y'all can't bring up an independent creator to get this done and really start? Come on, bro. Like, you can. It's not, it wouldn't be even dropping a bucket to y'all. It's just that, you know, sometimes our, our culture has been geared to only think that the only way, only thing valuable in the community is if you can rap or if you can play basketball or, or run up and down a 40. And it's like, bro, that generational curse, it has to stop. It has to end. Like, there's so many creatives out there that have great stories that can make stuff happen. And there are some folks who, you know, God willing, we're going to see, we're going to see if they're serious or not, you know, uh, seems like they're actually trying to pull up a real out the mud, you know, uh, creator. And whenever I get in position, my goal is to have my own studio, that type of stuff. And I'm only going to bring up people who are real independent creators, no industry plants or any of that nonsense. So, I mean, yeah, I think, I think the biggest hurdle right now is, you know, <laughs> trying to get something to shake and because if you look at 
I don't, I don't want to say no names, but if you look at folks who got in deals, bro, it's like some of that should be stereotypical, like nonsense. Other stuff be like slave stories. So it's like we already know what that's about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you can see who's who's, who's pulling the strings behind that. Mm-hmm. But there's enough elite black folks in Hollywood to make something happen for people who are doing real great stories that's going to be inspiring and motivating, mm-hmm. etc. So definitely, definitely, you know. And I I can't wait until we get to see you and others in a position where you can like see you kind of like bringing people up from behind, you know. Yeah. But I didn't think about it that way. It, like you said, it's just the. Uh, I think as a people, we have to change our mindset and we have to get beyond that and realize that there are other ways, like you said, there are other ways out and there's so many different aspects to this and this goes into, and even just like get out of that consumer mindset. I think that's a huge aspect. It has to stop. Yeah. Even if you you drop the bag on whatever else, you can drop the bag on the the chain, you can drop the bag on the car, you can drop the bag on the house and stuff like that. You can drop the bag on you know, other things that are like of more, more of substance, right? Yeah. Kind of like generational wealth in that aspect. Yeah. But you see it in, you see it in other areas, like Afrotech. Mm-hmm. Afrotech is huge now, right? This is all these black people just doing, and they're, they're flocking to go support that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why is it that y'all just look at, you know, first of all, entertainment is never going anywhere. People mm-hmm. have wanted been entertained since the dawn of history. Like, mm-hmm. That's something that's always going to be here. So acting like it isn't profitable, can't be profitable is crazy. Nah, it's just like y'all just, some of these folks just don't, it's like the foresight or it's like, I don't know what it is, man. But, you know, the people who do actually, actually um, tune in, they're going to be the ones who actually profit and win the most because they're going to be the first ones, right? So, exactly. Exactly. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I'm looking at our time and we're actually coming to an end. Okay. So I just have two quick questions or one that kind of ends off and just one, because I always think that, you know, we got into like so many different aspects, but I think it's always important to see like what the creator is doing. I'm here at this podcast. We're super, I'm super intentional about like mental health, super intentional about like, you know, how do people fill themselves up? So you're obviously doing all this work. You're leading this fight every single day. How do you decompress and refill your cup, you know, in this aspect, you know, just of like stepping away, right? Yeah. Is it like, you know, another form of art, traveling, family time, you know, gaming, you know, just obviously, of course, like watching, you know, um, anime or, you know, reading manga. What does that look like for you? Um, So I'm not going to lie, man. When you're in the grind, you're in the grind, bro. Like it's it's really hard to turn it off because you're always thinking like, all right, I got to do this, got to do that. Uh, I, and then you have some of those intrusive thoughts that it's like, damn, what if it don't work? Damn, what if I... So, I mean, it's like, you just have to... Um, to me, you know, so if you read scripture, you know, um, I believe it was Luke, where, you know, Jesus was uh, was placed in the desert or in the forest. You know, God placed him in the desert in the forest. For 40 days, he didn't eat. He didn't drink. He didn't do anything, you know. And he was tempted by Satan while he was in the wilderness, you know. So... I think everybody is going to have that period where God puts you in that desert, in that forest to see what you want to do. So if you're really coming on this journey, just know that that's going to happen to you. You're going to be in that desert, in that forest, and you just have to ride it out. Um, so, I mean, for me, man, just just make it, just leaning on my religion, leaning on, leaning on faith. Uh, I go to the gym. Um, I pray every morning and meditate. 
uh, spend time with family and friends. Um, and yeah, I just try to, uh, and just keep moving forward, really. Like, that's, I think that's the best, the best thing for me, uh, is just to, to keep that rhythm going and keep moving forward and just knowing that a better day is going to come when I'm going to get to that place I'm trying to get to. But, you know, why are you trying to get to that place? Put on your wool boots and come outside. That's kind of like, <laughs> that's kind of like how I'm rocking it. Put your, put your wool boots on and come outside. Can't you know, if you signing up to do this, bro, you cannot complain. You signed up for the entire it. armor of God. Bro, exactly, <laughs> bro. Yeah, bro. Put put your wool boots on. Come outside, and you know, if you if you trying to be a hustler, bro, don't complain about being a hustler. This is how this, yeah. this is what comes with it, man. So definitely, definitely. Thank you. And the final question that I want to ask is for those who are just waiting to start that need that that like that push to start. What is it that you would say to them? Like, you know, those that person who hasn't quite opened up that panel, that hasn't written anything, that person that's like, damn, I don't know if it's going to be good or whatever. What do you say to them? Man, I would say to them, don't worry about whether or not something's good. Worry about getting the draft done. Just get something mm-hmm. written down. Get a starting point because you're going to make changes. I mean, you're going to write something down and then six months later, you're going to come back and be like, man, this is trash. So... You know, that's just how it goes, man. Like, but you have to just write stuff down. Put yourself on a schedule. That's what I did when I was starting out, right? I would be like, okay, Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, I'm not going to the gym after work. I'm just going to write after work Mm -hmm. and stick to that schedule. Say you, you don't even got to write a whole episode. Say you just write two scenes. Say I'm going to write a scene a night, right? Mm -hmm. Say if you do that, bro, by the time you get to, you know, um Sunday, you know, you got you got you probably you could have a whole episode done, right? Mm-hmm. Depending right. on depending on how you write, you can have a, so I mean, and if you do that, you know, uh a month or whatever, that's four episodes a month. That's that's not bad at all. So I mean I would say put yourself on a schedule. Um and and just get to it, man. Don't don't be the person who's who's constantly on the fence and scared to pull the trigger and you know what I mean, just they keep saying they want to do this, do that, and they don't ever do it because I got, I got friends who, when I started out, they had ideas about what they wanted to do. It was it was in another space, and I'm telling you, it was in a I'm a homeboy. It's actually it was actually in a streaming space. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, bro, streaming was not it was on this rise in 2018, mm-hmm. 19, but yeah. it's not what it is now. If you started streaming in 18 and 19, you're probably lit right now. Yeah. So um, especially if you stay consistent. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I, so I'd be sitting back and I'd be thinking, I'd be like, yo, you could have been the biggest streamer, bro. Like, because you had, you had, you had the look, you had the comedy, you mm-hmm. just never pulled the trigger. Don't be the guy who doesn't pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. All right, and you heard it here. Yeah, you know, that's what we'll end off on. Don't be the guy who doesn't pull the trigger. Uh, <laughs> Don't <laughs> pull the trigger, bro. Don't do it, bro. Don't be that guy. <laughs> All right, and that kind of like ends it off. Before we let you go, uh, tell us where we can find you. If there's anything that we should look out for, what you can share, because yeah, like, yeah. obviously you can't share everything. But like you know, what do we look forward to seeing from you? And like, where can we find you? Uh, yeah, man. So check me out on Instagram, k underscore o underscore abyss. Hmm. Um, right now we got the WeFunder going. We already at like twenty four thousand in like a little bit over one month. Hmm. Um. So it's going pretty well. Um, if you want to invest, you can. You can own a percentage of this. Fan owned anime, uh, selling shares for fifty cent. Third cheap, you know. Um, 
And yeah, volume three is dropping uh, later this month. And um and yeah man so volume four next year sometime um and you know God willing there'll be some headlines about the anime so you know we gotta wait to see man we gotta wait to see we gotta see if these folks are serious man because I don't be believing these guys man <laughs> listen don't believe it until that contract is signed and everything is done that's what that's, you gotta do that's that's exactly how I'm moving bro and in some spaces I was like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. But um, I just got to say this before we let you off. And y'all can't see me because this is not a video podcast. Go support. I don't care if you got a dollar. I don't care if you got 50 cent. You got two dollars, you know, whatever. If there's a vice you're trying to work on, maybe you're trying not to, you know, you're not trying to buy that ice cream. Use that. Go support him. Maybe there's a pack of cigarettes. You know, we some some of us still smoke in 2023. Use that. Go support him. Maybe you try not to buy that new video game, that $60 game, because you already didn't finish the other five games. Use that 60. Put it towards him. You know, put the money back in the community. Facts. <laughs> yeah. Facts. Yeah, yes, right. sir. I appreciate y'all too, man. Thank you for having me on, man. This is a good conversation, bro. Like, yeah, you're really good at this. I can tell. You got, you got, okay, okay, okay. I'm rocking with this. So, some guys be having me on. That's going to be all crazy. Mm-hmm. Just work. I'm like, damn, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Two questions. <laughs> right. Yeah, bro. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. And without further ado, we'll end off. And as always, stay awkward, y'all. And, you know, this has been the Alpha, how you started.